Hello and welcome to Interval, the Norwich Theatre Royal podcast. With a new episode releasing each month, the show will bring you exclusive news, views, interviews and behind-the-scenes content. We'll have the latest information for shows and events at Norwich Theatre Royal, Norwich Playhouse and our Learning and Participation Centre, Stage 2. If you're interested in the performing arts in Norfolk, then this is the podcast for you. In this month's episode, we meet one of the cast of the Royal Shakespeare Company's bold reimagining of Romeo and Juliet. Find out more about the exciting Rombert 2 Company who are set to make their Norwich Playhouse debut. And we meet the Norfolk Performing Arts teacher enjoying a busman's holiday, taking on one of the lead roles in Guys and Dolls. So let's start off with the Bard's classic tale of forbidden love, Romeo and Juliet. This brand new, fresh and contemporary production has been described by the critics as youthful and energetic. Director Erica Wyman, who also directed the stunning production of A Midsummer Night's Dream, which came here, aims to highlight the passionate love at its core while also exploring the very topical theme of division in so many areas of life. Charlotte Josephine plays the part of Mercutio, traditionally a male role. We asked if it was unusual to have a female actress playing this character. It's not the first time that a woman has played it, but it feels particularly fresh at the moment, I think. Erica has changed the gender of a few of the roles, and that's partly because the director is really passionate about seeing more women on stages and giving women the opportunity to be represented. She's really passionate in general that the audiences, and potentially new audiences, get an opportunity to see themselves on stage. So where possible, she's tried to change the gender or the race or the age or the class in terms of accent and to just open up doors for not only like young actors like myself to get an opportunity to play these amazing roles, but also for audiences to see perhaps someone like themselves on stage, which I think is really vitally important because otherwise you go through life feeling like your story doesn't matter because you never see yourself in stories if you don't see yourself on stage or on screen. So any opportunity to, to see someone that looks like you, I think, it, I think it's a brilliant thing. So yeah, I feel really proud of this production for the diversity of the casting. Um, I feel like everybody in the, in the audience should see someone on stage that they relate to in some way, and that, that's really exciting. There are a lot of um, school groups coming in, and yeah. obviously, I mean, Romeo and Juliet are young, aren't they? Mm. Um, do you think that makes it really relatable for a younger audience? Yeah, I think so. I think um, it's helpful that Romeo and Juliet is studied in school, so it's nice to come and see it live, I imagine. Uh, and uh, yeah, the two main characters are young, so I think younger audiences are up for it. Um, Eric has also cast some, um, so the RSC work with I think 600 schools um, and so she's working with them. So there are four young people that come um, and are involved in the prologue and a few of the other scenes as well. She's really passionate that young people get an opportunity to have a voice, especially with everything that happened last year with the referendum. She feels like young people have been let down perhaps by an older generation and that's definitely in the play so it feels right that young people would come and watch it and relate to the characters on stage. How, how does it feel for the actors and for yourself um, having those young people with you? Is, is it a chance to sort of inspire them? And... I hope so, yeah I hope so. I mean all of my role models growing up were men because there weren't the parts for women so I hope that young women in the audience feel inspired by what I'm doing um, and it's really great to be working with four new young people every couple of shows 
and as we are here in London and as we go on tour as well. So we're going to get to meet loads of young people and it's always really exciting to see them um, and they grow in confidence over the shows, which is amazing. They, they turn up on the first day like really shaking, like nervous, and then they're kind of building confidence. It's really lovely to see. Um, so yeah, I hope they feel inspired. I'd be really proud if I'm inspired by them. Yeah. Is, is there advice you would give to young people like that who are thinking about a theatrical career? And did someone give you advice when um, you were younger? I've had a lot of brilliant advice from actors over the years. Loud and proud is a is a phrase that's thrown around quite a lot, and I think that just means like really enjoying the moment that you're on stage and get an opportunity to say a line, especially if you've only got a few lines in the show. So we say that to young people a lot. Loud and proud. Eating well and sleeping well, like it's a really physical job and it's um it's really hard work. We do a lot of shows. Um, it's a busy week, so yeah, looking after yourself um is really important and and just being kind to each other and taking the time out to check in with each other and check if everyone's okay and having a nice time. Um, you've endowed your character with a lot of energy, <laughs> a lot of movement. Yeah. You were saying that's quite physical, but it was written as a male part. So, so how have you sort of squared that with now playing it as a woman? I think partly I was excited by the opportunity to say some words that have been forbidden for women for so long. You know, men always get to run around and do the sword fights and be sexy and cheeky and funny and naughty and rude. And women have to just stand there and look pretty and we say a couple of lines in all the classic texts, and I'm really not interested in that. So given the opportunity to play Makusho, I knew that I wanted it to be vibrant and dangerous and energetic, and, 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 and to use my body a lot. I really wanted to put myself out there and be looked at in a way, I guess, and be like these, so that we can start questioning the kind of limited roles that we put on gender. Like, this is what you're supposed to be in order to be a man. This is what you're supposed to be in order to be a woman. And there I am jumping between masculine feminine masculine and feminine that really quickly and and doing it quite boldly and it's quite over the top and quite big that was a deliberate choice to just kind of push all of our buttons of what we think a young woman should be so yeah like deliberate i just feel like the character is like quite provocative so it felt right to play with that yeah, it's good fun. I think one of the things um, that really rings bells at the moment is is there's um, a lot of knives, yeah. obviously, in the production. Yeah. People are killed. Um, this is going on in London at the moment, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, um, do you think that will resonate with people and really make them think about you know this sort of culture of knife crime at the moment? I think so, yeah. I mean, we spoke to a man called Pat who came from the Ben Kinsella Trust which is a charity that's set up in London. And he came and spoke to us about the amazing work that they're doing where they're trying to not only raise awareness of knife crime, but also to look at that as the symptom of a problem um, rather than the cause. So they look at uh, young people's self-esteem and how young people might not feel like they have a lot to live for or have, like they don't value their own lives very much. And when you're in that headspace, it's very easy to latch on to a political idea or a gang or a group of people and to hang on to that as your sense of identity and, and be willing to fight and die for that. And that feels really old, that idea. It feels really archaic. It's definitely in Shakespeare's writing. Uh, and it's a bit amazing that it's 2018 and we still get stuck in those patterns. It must be a really primal, tribal thing within us with devastating consequences. 
yeah, the bank and seller trust are amazing. They're looking at raising young people's self-esteem and yeah, sense of like self really um, through various activities and one of them is drama and so um, one of our class members actually used to work for the trust and and it was amazing for him to come in and talk to us because yeah what's going on is horrendous at the moment in London and I, and I feel like it definitely is a symptom of a bigger problem and um, again perhaps we've been let down by an older generation or perhaps everything that's going on politically at the moment feels, feels very easy to feel stuck as a young person and to feel unheard and um, and like you don't have a voice so I can understand how that can easily slip into like negative actions what, what do you think young people in particular will take from this production I think they'll feel like it's a story for them I think they should be excited by the casting particularly the music the way that it's set it should feel really modern and, and like it's for them and, and not Perhaps what you think of as the RSC of kind of, I mean, I always thought that theatre was just for silly posh people, and that Shakespeare particularly was for silly posh people, and, and I've been proved wrong. And then, and so I hope that young people coming to watch this feel like it's for them too. And you can catch Romeo and Juliet from Tuesday, January the 29th to Saturday, February the 2nd. Now, Rombert are no strangers to the Norwich Theatre Royal stage. They're now forming a second ensemble to bring together dancers of outstanding ability, creativity and individuality. And they're going to be called Rombert 2. The idea is to give the company members an introduction to the top level of the dance profession while also offering support to help them develop as artists. Faye Stosas, the oldest member of the company at 25, and gives us an insight into the company's work and her career. She started off by telling us how she began in dance. I started off actually doing more jazz and musical theatre training because I did that at London Studio Centre. And then it wasn't until my final year that I decided to focus on contemporary. Um, and then I graduated and I came out and I started doing a bit of freelance work. And then Rumble 2 audition came up and I auditioned. And, I got and now here I am. Wonderful. And how does it feel to be the oldest? Do you feel like you're the wisest and you're... <laughs> <laughs> it can do sometimes. I, I do, uh, I mean, the youngest is 19, so that is a six-year difference. But um, I definitely think everyone is super mature and we all get on really well and we all kind of, yeah, we all work really well together and we're all very mature together. So, yeah, it's, it's nice. That's great. And um, have you toured before or is this going to be your first tour? Um, I've done a small tour before with another company, but this is definitely the longest and biggest tour I've ever done. I think we're doing about 40 shows in general. And, I mean, have you? I'm going to have to ask you, so you're coming to Norwich, and I think that's where you're starting off your tour in 2019 at least. Yeah. Um, have you been to Norwich before, or is it going to be your first time? It's going to be my first time in Norwich. Oh, wonderful. Well, it's a great city, so uh, hopefully you'll enjoy it. And you've got a little bit of time, haven't you, so you can have a look around. Exactly. Um, I'm going to kind of circle back, so can you tell me a little bit about what it means for your career to be part of Rombert too? I mean, Rombert is Britain's oldest dance company, and it's, I've been watching Rombert for years in Sadler's Wells, and, and just to be a part of that is just incredible. Like, being around the main company as well, you get inspired from them, and we've really like learned how to be a professional dancer. We're working with world-class choreographers, who I never thought I would work with and it's just been incredible 
and everyone is super supportive. And it's a great platform for the rest of my career. Did you ever imagine when you were watching the dancer, when you were watching Rombo when you were younger, that you could be one of the dancers? Honestly, I never imagined it happening. And it was really strange. Like, we were performing in Sadler's Wells, and I was by the side of stage, and I was watching the main company do their piece. And I thought, this is so strange being on the other side. Like, I've always been in the audience watching them, and now I get to be a part of this. And it's, yeah, it's really something special. Can you can you tell me a little bit about what makes Rombo 2 unique from your perspective? Well, for one, we're doing our masters at the same time as working full-time in a company. So we have to constantly reflect on our practice, and we're constantly writing as well, which um, really, you know, we're being intelligent dancers. We're not just doing the moves. We're going away and thinking about it, and then that then feeds back into our practice. Yeah, so that part of it is really unique. Yeah, it's amazing. So can you tell me a little bit more about that? How do you juggle doing a master's and also performing? You know, how how do you balance all of those things at once? I'm not going to lie. It's tough because we have a very busy schedule. We're working Monday to Saturday, eight hours a day. And on top of that, we then have to do writing as well. And we have sem- seminars as well. And it is tough, but I think... We knew it was going to be tough. We knew it was going to be intense. And I think that's what makes it more rewarding in the end, the fact that we worked so hard for this. And then on top of that, we come up with an MA, which is even better. Does, has it changed the way? Have you noticed that it changes the way you dance doing the academic? Yeah, yeah definitely. Because, you, I mean, I'm constantly reading articles about what I'm doing, even, even about anatomy or, well, I'm specifically looking at neuroscience as part of my dissertation. So, yeah, it definitely feeds back into the work because then you start thinking, oh, well, why am I doing this movement like this? Why am I doing this work like this? What does it mean to do this? How am I doing it? And it really informs how you think about it and then how you dance it in the end as well. Am I right in thinking there were 800 dancers or who were originally auditioned and there were 13 who were chosen? Is that true? Yeah. How did yeah, that feel? Right. I mean, it's just a bit mind-blowing, really. Like 800, the, the audition process was four days long. And I, it was a tiring audition process. Um, and I think on the last day, there was about 20 of us left, and everyone was super talented. And even when I left, I thought, how did I end up right at the end? Like, it's, it's just crazy. But, I mean, you can tell we were picked out of 800 because... Everyone is so talented in the company. Like I get so inspired by my work colleagues. It's it's just amazing. And we're all so different as well. We all have our like unique sets of skills, which is really nice actually because it makes it less competitive. It's more like, oh, you can do that, I can do this, what can we do? How can we bring it together? How can we make something fresh out of all of this? Can you tell me a little bit? I'm, you're the lead in Grey Matter, is that right? I am. Can you yeah. tell me a little bit about the piece? Yeah, so it's, a, it's about um, a woman who has lost her memory, so she's gotten older, and the community around her that supports her. So I was lucky enough to be chosen to, to play this woman, who's someone very close to Benoit, the choreographer. Um, and honestly, this part has taught me so much, because not only have I had to be able to do the moves, but I also have to portray to the audience the story of this character and it's honestly it's it's so amazing to perform this piece for me because every every night as well it's a different experience i try and find a new experience every time i try and find 
different scenarios, different stories that I can portray. And in terms of the style of the dance, how would you describe it for Grey Matter in particular? We'll talk a little bit about the performance as a whole later, but if you could tell me a little bit about, I mean, you told us about what the piece is about, but can you describe, I mean, how does it feel to dance it and what sort of movements are you making it? Is there something that you could suggest that would be similar for our audiences or...? I mean, for my part, in, uh, for my part, um, it's really relentless the the movement. I have to just, especially the end, I have to do a, a solo and I have to just keep on going and just, you know, release the wild in me, kind of. Yeah. So you're you're seeing different movement qualities throughout the piece, and by the end, it's, the energy is all built up, and there's a really nice moment at the end where everyone else is walking slowly. I don't want to give too much away. But um, everyone's walking slowly and then I'm kind of within the group um, going a bit crazy, you know. It's as if I've lost my memories and I'm trying to find them throughout the piece. Yeah, I'm just searching for them and it's almost like I'm searching for it within everyone else, within the community of people. But it's got it's got a mixture of movement styles within the piece. There's some technique in it. That's wonderful. And can you tell me a little bit about Ronda 2 as a whole and the performance and what people can expect? I mean, you've had some absolutely stunning reviews. <laughs> yeah, so we have uh, Killer Pig, ET7SD by Raphael Bonicella, Killer Pigs by Cheryl Niao, and then obviously Grey Matter by Benoit swan Pisa. And it's, it's what's challenging about the show for us as dancers is that we really have to be versatile because each piece is very different. So one minute we're doing Benoit's piece where we have to be grounded and groovy and then we have to switch and do Sharon's piece which is mainly on releve and has you know great extensions in the body so it's amazing that we have to switch between this it's a challenge but it's amazing and you can see Rombo 2 make their Norwich debut at the Playhouse on January the 31st and February the 1st. And we also offer our belated congratulations to Grey Matter choreographer Benoit Swan Hoofer, who's been named the new artistic director of Rombo. Now, a smile on your face and a song in your heart, if promised, as the hustle and bustle of 50s New York is brought to life as the Norfolk and Norwich Operatic Society presents Guys and Dolls. They're bringing the show to life this winter and performing arts teacher Phil Ormerod is enjoying something of a busman's holiday, taking on the lead role of Sky Masterson. He told us a bit more about his character. Sky is a lifelong devoted gambler and pretty much lifelong devoted womaniser who kind of makes a big deal of the fact that he doesn't believe in love at all. Um, he then, the course, throughout the course of the show, he goes on to fall head over heels completely in love with a woman who should be completely wrong with him um, because she is uh, a member of the Salvation Army, very, very religious, very, very... Um, we begin to think of her as being quite prudish at the beginning, but obviously, as the two of them get to know each other a little bit, they kind of bring out the best in each other, and by the end, they are hopefully head of heels and love. He is a fantastic character. What's it like playing Sky? It's really awesome because I don't traditionally play um, sort of romantic lead parts. I'm more often doing character stuff. Uh, I really wanted to have a go at playing Sky, and it's just awesome. It's really, really lovely to do. Having the director Chris and working with Holly, who's playing Sarah, has been really nice. Just because we've been all three of us are. Uh, quite keen on kind of looking at the backstory behind it and trying to work out exactly what the motivations are for the characters so despite it being quite kind of traditional like frothy musical we've been really trying to kind of explore the characters and work out 
as I said, what their motivations are, why they make the choices they do. And it's been really fun to do that because particularly for the first scene that I had with Holly, it's really sparky and really fiery. So it's been lovely playing that, really nice. Well, it's one of those musicals, I mean, it's, it's a happy and inverted <laughs> commas musical. There's a bit of a dark core to it as well, isn't there? Which is what yeah. makes it so great. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, particularly when we were looking into the kind of backstory for both Sky and for Sarah, we looked at the original source material that the musical was based on, and then we kind of did a little bit of workshopping and not hot seat, we didn't sit down and interview each other, but we kind of came up with a bit of backstory. And a lot of that has been really good to help us play into finding out exactly why it is that certain scenes play out, why the relationship between Sarah and Sky works the way that it does. And so it might not even necessarily be things that the audience particularly were, but for us as actors, it's great to have those little ins that allow you to kind of go, that's why that line's there, that's why I've made this particular choice. Now we've talked about the plot and the sort of dark side of it, but there's some fantastic songs and song and dance numbers as well. How are you finding that? I have to give a massive shout out to Holly, who's playing Sarah. She is just a phenomenal singer. So to be able to be on stage with someone like her and to watch her performing the way that she does really kind of forces you to lift your game a lot. But the songs are great and they're so varied because you've obviously got your kind of traditional ballady songs that is obviously going to happen in a romance. So you've got, you know, I'll Know and I've Never Been In Love Before, but then you've got Luck Be A Lady Tonight, which is much more upbeat and really full on. And, and again, sort of I've seen lots of different ways of it being done, but the way that we're looking at it is quite kind of uh, confrontational at the beginning, so the pace is really, really quick in it, and a lot of the pace that we've been looking at and all the music that we've been going so far has been really pushing it, so it really drives along at a good rate. It's been so much fun to do. Do you have a favourite moment for you and your character? I've got lots out because there's all sorts of, because obviously I get to do all three things. I get to act and sing and dance, because it's a musical, so, and there's a pretty awesome lift that I get to do with Holly, which is really, really good fun to go through. Some of the harmonies getting to do with Holly, there's, some really, there's a really lovely section in the middle of the musical where we go literally from a song into a scene into a song into a scene. There's this big run between the two of us, so that's been really great to explore. And then the opening scene, definitely, when I kind of, when we first meet each other, like I said, we're so kind of fiery and then very clearly there's a spark there, but they really don't give an inch to each other at all, so that's great to play around with. And for you with a day job working in performing arts, is this a bit of a bus of a busman's <laughs> holiday for you being well, a Do you know, I spend 99% of my day directing and choreographing and teaching other people how to do it, and I really miss doing it. I was saying to one of my friends earlier today, I hadn't performed at all for about seven years, and the last thing I did was Footloose with Threshold, who were an offshoot in Norfolk, um, and I hadn't done anything, and I was missing it so much, and I'd seen so many shows that these guys had done that I'd come along and watched, and, kind of sat there really itching in my seat, just sort of going like, I really wish I was on stage for that. And so coming along and doing this, it doesn't feel like a busman's holiday at all. It actually feels very different from my job, I think because it's so nice to be not being the one that's in charge for a change and to actually just have someone going, this is the choreography, this is what you're learning, you don't have to choreograph anything. It's like, great, this is the director, he's telling you where you're going to go. And I'm like, oh, fantastic, that's really lovely. I imagine there'll be a few pupils and teachers and staff coming along to see you. Yeah, there's been, <laughs> there's been a few of my colleagues who said, like, I'm going to organise a lot of the teachers, we're all coming down to see us. I'm like, great, thanks very much. And um, a few of my students know that I'm doing it as well, so uh, 
I'd imagine that one or two of them who are quite devout performing arts fans and students will probably drag themselves and their parents along, so I shall look forward to a plethora of comments. Probably a lot of them constructive criticism, I'm sure, from several of them about my performance and how well I've done. <laughs> and finally, the selling point. If people are not sure whether or not to come along and see Guys and Dolls, what would you say? Well, there's a couple of things, to be honest with you. I would say the main thing is going to be the set. I don't know how much I can say about it, but it's very, very different to anything you're going to have seen before, visually. We've essentially got, we're working with a multimedia company who are working on creating projections for everything. So rather than having a traditional set where you would have roster coming in and you'd have flats coming in and out, we have huge screens which are just going to project every single aspect of the show on a projection on the back. So it's going to look vastly different. I'd say other than that, the other things are even if you don't think you do, you will know the songs from this because they are so iconic and there's so many, it's just belting off the belting. You can kind of literally go all the way through it and you're like, oh yeah, no, I've heard that, oh yeah, I know that one as well. And then the lovely thing about the final selling point I would say is that working with Chris is that he is a choreographer and a director primarily. So the dance routines are going to be spectacular. They're going to be really, really technical and we've got a lot of strong performance in it. So for an amateur production, I'm really, really feel proud to be part of it. Don't miss Guys and Dolls, which runs from January the 22nd to the 26th. And that's the end of our show this month. Thanks to Charlotte Josephine, Faye Stosa and Phil Ormerod. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Let us know what you liked and what you'd like to hear in future episodes. Thank you very much for listening to Interval, the Norwich Theatre Royal podcast.